Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Good evening. Welcome to Woodland Church and welcome to this Good Friday service. We are glad that uh, so many of you could come out and join us on this Good Friday. It is interesting when we think about Good Friday, many of us have probably wondered why do we call today Good Friday? When we really think about what has taken place on this day, it's really not a good day. Back in the day, they would consider this day on Good Friday, it would be observed as a day of sorrow, a day of penance, and a day of fasting. Today was also known as Holy Friday, Great Friday, and Black Friday. However, the Good and Good Friday does not describe these events. It actually comes from the Old English when good meant holy. Today, we are here to celebrate, but also to mourn what our Savior went through for us. And tonight, we just desire to read the account of what Christ has done We are going to sing together, we're going to read together, and we are going to just simply look at what Christ went through for us. Today really is a day that I said, I said celebrate, but that's really not the best term. It's a day for us to sit and to remember what our Lord has done for us, to look at what he went through for us. I'm going to ask for you to stand, and I'd like to pray for us this evening, and the worship team is going to lead us into a couple of songs, and then we're going to have some scripture reading and some more songs, and it's going to be just an evening of songs and scriptures and a little bit of teaching. But let us pray. Father, we give you praise tonight. Father, as we come and as we look to your Son, Lord, as we look to what you have done for us. Father, we come and we mourn. Father, we come and we recognize how worthy you are. Father, tonight as we sing and as we read, I ask you, Lord, to remind us of the ultimate sacrifice you made for us. Father, we give you praise and we give you all the glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, my God. 
may be seated. Reading from John 18, 1 through 14. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken, of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that, that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. And continuing on with verses 19 through 27, the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken only to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, what, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming, and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed.
You guys may be seated. On the night Jesus was arrested, he went out with his 11 disciples to the garden to pray. Now Jesus had been to this garden many times previously on that night. But this night, Judas, one of his 12 disciples, led a band of soldiers there to arrest them. Judas did not lead them there by day. He led them there by night. And scriptures say they had lanterns, torches, and weapons. A couple of interesting things took place in this account in John 18, verses 1 through 11. In verse 6, I'd like to read this to you. John 18, verse 6. is when they, when Jesus said to them, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. I want you just to kind of imagine this scenario here. Judas has betrayed Jesus. He sold him out. And when they go to arrest Jesus, and they're trying to figure out which one he is, when Jesus utters the words, I am he, which translated perfectly is just, I am, it says they drew back and they fell to the ground. The guards, the people that came to arrest him, were literally standing in the presence of God. Now we know that that word I am, if you look at the Old Testament and if you've ever read the book of Exodus, when God calls Moses to go to Egypt to rescue and save his people, God said, tell him that I am sent you. When this took place, and the people drew back and they fell to the, to the ground, this was a very common reaction when the divine is revealed. We see this throughout all of Scripture. But there's another interesting part here, is that Jesus willingly went forward throughout this. He says the words, and the people fall back. And he still goes forward. When you're standing before the presence of the Most High, he has all authority. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this king goes forward willingly. In verse 11, in John 18, verse 11, this takes place right after Peter, who is always quick. When Peter realizes what is about to take place, Peter pulls out a knife and starts to attack and cuts this man's ear off. But look at verse 11. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, put your, put your sword into your sheath. And then look at these words. Shall I not drink the cup that my father has given me. Now, Jesus isn't, isn't talking about a cup of water. He's literally looking at Peter and saying, Peter, put that sword away. The cup my father has given me. Should I not drink this cup? Jesus knew where this road ended. Jesus knew what was about to take place. He knew the very cost that he was about to pay. And he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, this cup 
is from my Father. Do I not drink it? Do I not go down this road that the Father has for me? Peter, put the sword away. And Jesus willingly goes forward. The the divine presence is standing there and he willingly goes forward. Let's continue to read the account of our Lord. We continue John 18, verses 28 through 40. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born And for this purpose I have come into this world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, No, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then further reading in John chapter 19, 1 through 15. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, 
I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man! When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in an Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. They took Jesus to the rulers of the land. The Jewish people knew that they could not crucify him. They knew that they did not have that authority. So they went to Pilate. And it's interesting, when Pilate and Jesus, we get to a glimpse of this conversation that Jesus and Pilate have, and Pilate picks up on very quickly and asks Jesus this simple question, are you the king of the Jews? Now we need to understand the place where Pilate is coming from here. There had been lots of talk that year. There has been there was lots of pressure between the Jews and the Romans. There was a lot of that happening in this time. Now, just a few days before this, which we talked about last Sunday, Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And what did the people call him? The king. There was so much talk on who this Jesus was that there was circulating and they were they were expecting their king to come. Now, the Jewish people were expecting a military king, but Pilate had picked up on this. Pilate had picked up on, and he was questioning Jesus, wanting to know, are you the king of the Jews? Look how Jesus answers in 18, verse 36 through 37. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. 
Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus is telling Pilate plainly that he is a king, but his kingdom is not of this world. And his purpose is to come and to bear witness of the truth. And Pilate is kind of left stunned. Pilate actually kind of says, what is truth? Pilate says. But Pilate runs with this theme, the king of the Jews. As, as what Steve and friend read here, you see this theme. Every time Pilate introduced Jesus, he introduced him as the king, your king, the king of the Jews. And they recognize, and Pilate recognizes, that this is why Jesus is getting crucified. Or why they brought Jesus to him to do their dirty work. Now, when they asked the crowd, when Pilate brings Jesus out, and says, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Something very interesting takes place here. I want to read verses 14 through 16 one more time here, because we're going to see at how quickly the people forsake Jesus. Now, in that day of preparation of Passover, it was about the sixth hour, he had said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests, this is so important here. The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. In this one moment, the Jewish people don't just deny Jesus as their king. They literally deny the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, the God that they had proclaimed to worship. They sold out everything to get Jesus crucified. For them to say, we have no king but Caesar, means they have completely forsaken the God that they claim to worship. And the interesting part is the king was standing before them. But they utterly rejected God. We have no king but Caesar. Let's continue in the reading. I'll be reading John 19, verses 16 through 42. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of the Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him put two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. 
Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, The King of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which said, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other man who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, jo Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with, with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one has yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Can you stand as we continue and lift up our voices? <laughs> Thank you. 
seated. I'd like for us to take out our communion elements. This past week, as I've been reading the scriptures and looking at and rereading the account of what our Savior has done for us, I've had this overwhelming thought all week that I am completely unworthy of Christ. That this King would come and would die for me and for you. That the one who created us would come. And not only that, but we rejected him. You know, I, I sometimes, as I read scripture, I, I sometimes say, well, maybe it would have been different if I would have been there. You know, maybe I wouldn't have been one of the guys that was shouting crucify him. But the reality is, is what they did to Christ is, is mankind's rejection of their Savior. Rejection of their King. But he came fully knowing that we would reject him. That we would put thorns on his head. That we would beat him and flog him and make him carry his own cross to his horrific death. We don't deserve Christ. There's nothing within us that deserves him. But I do know this. That this is how amazing our God is. That this is how great our King is. That he would come and he would be crucified for us. We need him so much. And on this Good Friday, on this Sorrowful Friday, on this Black Friday, we gather here tonight to simply remember what our Savior has done for us. We simply just come and we say, God, you sacrificed everything for me. Father, I'm unworthy of you, but out of your love and out of your grace, you came to save a sinner like me. And we're here to take these elements together. And as we read tonight, we, we see it pretty, pretty clearly what these elements are. And, and if you've been in church for any length of time and you've taken communion before, we have two elements in our hands. And these two elements represent what Christ has done for us. We read tonight what they did to the body of our Lord. That they beat it and they hung him on a cross and nailed him to that cross. And his body was beaten for you and for me. Jesus paid the penalty of our sins. You may not realize this or even know this, but we deserve the death on the cross. We deserve punishment because of what we have done. But our God came down and said, I'm going to take that punishment for us, for them, so that we could be made right with him. 
Church, let's take the body together tonight. I'll give you a moment to open up the second part. As we read tonight, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, they took a spear and his blood came out. Scripture teaches that the blood of Christ washes away our sins. It cleanses our sins. It makes us righteous before our God. Not based on something we have done, but fully based on what he has done for us. And as we take this tonight, church, we remember the blood that was poured out for us. Let's take it together. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. I'd like to pray for us and I'd like Joanne to lead us in that last song one more time tonight. Father, we give you praise and glory. Lord, we thank you for sending your son for us. Father, on this sorrowful Friday, we come and we remember what you have done. Father, we remember our own sins that put you there. But Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. God, we thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's, let's sing one more time tonight.
We'd like to thank you for coming out tonight. Thank you for spending time and remembering what our Savior has done for us. We do not celebrate tonight. We will celebrate on Sunday morning because we know that the story is not over yet. Hope you guys have a blessed Friday. Thank you.